Praise God. As we go into today's um, message, I uh, want to just ask a question. I feel a slight quiz coming on. By a show of hands, who has faith in God? Okay. By a show of hands, who trusts God? Okay. Is there a difference between faith and trust? Okay. They'll answer the question for right now. Just, just think about it. Are they the same or are they indeed difference, a difference? Well, there is a difference and today we're going to find out what that difference is between faith and trust and how getting beyond um, an academic understanding of the two, what that means to you personally. Because we have to understand that the word of God, God's intention in giving us his word and his son is so that we may have an abundant life. A joyful life and a very, very uh, successful life. We've had a lot of sermons, <coughs> excuse me, we've had a lot of sermons on faith, so we know about having faith. But in order to live the victorious life that God wants for us, we need to know the difference between faith and trust. Alright? So I'm going to take you back a little bit to your school days, and faith is a noun to start with. Faith is a noun. And who remembers what a noun is? Okay, remember your days in school, all right? How many, who remembers what a noun is? Well, a noun is a person, place, or thing. Sometimes it's also an idea. But a noun is a person, place, or thing. So in the case of faith, it is something that we have. As God reveals himself and his love to us, this knowing of him in our head, which is knowledge, and in our heart, which is our belief in him, is the substance, it's the thing, it's the evidence of him and his love. And we'll see that if you go to Hebrews chapter 1. We have to always see what the word of God says about these matters. It can't be my opinion or, or anything else like that. We have to make sure that what we're studying here is based on what God is telling us. Amen. So what we're saying here is that faith is a noun and it's a thing because it's a substance according to the word of God. Okay? And just doing Hebrews 11, verse number 1, very old scripture, known scripture, I should say. Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Okay? I'm going to walk out of here today with some meat to chew on. Some meat that you can... Put to, put to good use. So, if you don't have your natural teeth, I hope you have your dentures in. Because we're going to be eating some good meat today. <laughs> some good meat today. Alright? So, going back to faith, faith, faith being a noun. And a noun, and because faith is, is, a, is a thing. Verse number one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. For the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now we're just going to focus on the first verse there. Now faith is the substance. Underline the word substance. Substance of things. Alright. Hoped for. So a substance again, it's a something. It's a thing. Okay. So faith is indeed, indeed it's a thing. Now faith, as it's referred to here, as the scripture says, means continuous faith. It doesn't mean that if I have an issue going on in life, I'll have faith tomorrow, you know, or, or gee, I had faith yesterday for that thing and that was good, but I don't have faith today. But now faith is continuous faith. Okay. Faith that you have all the time. Now faith is the substance. So we see there that it's a, a thing. Faith says, I know him and I believe Faith is believing in something Without any visible evidence Of it coming to pass But faith is not trust Alright Faith is not trust Trust is used as a verb in scripture Now you stop again Think back to grammar school there And then you learn what a verb is What is a verb? A verb is something that indicates an action Okay, okay. Faith is a substance, it's a thing that we have. Verb, uh, uh, trust is a verb which indicates action. Trust is faith in action, it is the manifestation of our faith in our thoughts and actions. While faith says he can, trust says he is and I will think and act accordingly. With the, with the focus being on the word act accordingly. It is far easier to have faith in God. It is a lot harder to exercise trust in him because it requires an action. Okay, now you stop and think about that. 
When I said, how many have faith in God? Everyone here raised their hands. When I said, how many trust? And everyone raised their hands. Okay, having faith is pretty easy to do. Trusting him then requires an action from you based on that faith. Okay? Okay? I have faith that the key in my pocket will open my front door. It will not open my front door until I take an action and put the key in the lock and turn it. Okay, and you stop and you think about it. Faith in our lives many times is the same way. We have faith in God. We say, yes, I have this thing called faith because it's that substance of the things that I hope for. But then do I really trust him? Today's sermon is going to be more about trust. So let's learn about trust. Go to the book of James. Book of James. James chapter 2. And we're going to start actually with, we're going to go down and start at James James 2 verse number 14. Okay, James 2 verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Please underline that. A man says he has faith and have not works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needed to the body that he profits or benefits. All right, so in other words, our, uh, you know, a, a poor person shows up at your door and it's freezing outside and they say they're freezing and they ask for a coat and whatnot and you say, yeah, go forth and be warm and be warm. But you don't give him a coat to be warm, then how is that benefiting him any? By you simply saying, yes, go forth and be warm. Verse 17, even so, faith, if it hath not works, it is dead, being alone. Please underline, if it hath not works, uh, it is dead, being alone. Okay, now just to pause there for a moment, because this begs the argument that many people will bring up and many people will discuss. Well, see, in my church and in my ministry, this is what I do. Or when I'm not at church, or, um, this is what I did for the person down the street. This poor homeless person didn't have this, and this is what I did. Okay? This is someone using works, thinking that they can get into heaven. Works does not bring salvation. So don't confuse the scripture here. Okay? This is not talking about the concept that if I do enough things, all of a sudden God is going to see me as a good person, and therefore I'm going to be blessed, and I'm going to go to heaven. Okay? Okay? This is not what that is referring to at all, and which we'll see as we go along. Verse 17 again. Even so, faith, if it does not have works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Please in the line, I will show you my faith by my works. Okay? Now that goes back to the thing with the car keys I was talking about again. Alright, you ask me, do I have faith that my keys can get me in my front door? Yes, that's all great. But showing my real faith would be by the works of me taking the key out and actually using it to go into the front door. Okay, all right. Now, a real test of that would be uh, um, if I had my keys and I went to your front door, all righty, and I said, I have faith that my keys will get in your front door. Okay, all right. Now, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Okay, all right. But if God said to me, take the key out of your pocket and put it in your front door and it's going to work, it will let you in. Okay, then my faith in God is fine. But it's not going to be executed until I actually take my keys out and put it in your front door. And wow, it works. Okay? Uh, keep me away from your house. Okay? Because <laughs> I got a lot of faith. <laughs> I got a lot of faith. Okay? All right? Okay? So faith without, faith without works, without some action, is dead. It's going back to, to again, now we said that faith is, is, is a noun. Okay? But the trust... Is the action, okay? So by you taking that key and putting it in the front door, you're trusting, or I would be trusting that what God said to me, my key will open your front door. I'm trusting God by saying, okay, I'm going to go on and do it. Even though in my natural mind, 
in my earthly, my man's mind, I would say, well, all things being equal, knowing physics, no way. This key was not cut to fit that lock. It's not going to work, you see. And so we rationalize and we reason why things cannot work, even though your faith may be pretty strong. But if you hesitate, you hesitate, then you're not trusting God. All right? You're not trusting God. It goes on to say here, um, verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Please underline that faith without works is dead. It's interesting in verse 19 where it says there, You believe that there is one God, well, good for you, but the devils also believe and tremble. Satan knows there's one God. Demons know that there's one God. Okay? Right? Do you put them on the same level as yourself? I certainly hope not. Okay? I certainly hope not. Alright? So, so the bottom line there, faith without works is, uh, is dead. And I want to continue on here through verse 26. 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect, okay, by his actions? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see now, you see then now, that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, please underline, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Underline that. Now that's a pretty powerful statement. I mean, it comes clear, clear to home, very clear to home that, that without your body, if your spirit was to depart your body, it would just collapse in a heap. I mean, that, that's it. All right? So God is saying the same connection, the same importance that your spirit has to your body, your being alive, is, 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 is faith and works. All right? So it gives us something to think about. Now, he mentioned two people here. He mentioned Abraham with his son Isaac. We all know, know that when, when he uh, just trusted God, God said, I will give you a sacrifice. And he just trusted God and was about to slay his son. And, and God provided. Okay, all of a sudden there was a ram in the bush. But God, God trust, uh, Abraham trusted God. Okay, that's where, the, where the, um, God's, God's name, um, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, came from. Because God is our provider in all things that we do. But I want to look at Abraham in another another time, good old uh, Genesis 12, one of my favorite scriptures, and y'all who know me know why, but one of my favorite scriptures, and we're going to look at actions that were taken here, Genesis 12, and we're going to start at verse number 1, okay, faith and actions, and as we're reading through these scriptures, you know, um, I don't want you to, to, to get distracted and think about it now, but think about these scriptures relative to your life and the things that may be happening or may not be happening or have happened or could be happening. Uh, 12 verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. Please in the line, I will bless thee. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them, underline I will bless them. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Okay? So those scriptures there really denote a promise that was made. Okay, God said to Abram, if you get up and go, get up and go. Okay, this is not... Not a question. I want you to get up and go. Leave this place. And I'm going to bless you. Okay? Good. So there's a thing. And Abraham probably said, oh boy, that's great. God's going to bless me if I get up and go. Alright? So then it goes on to say in verse number four. So Abraham departed. Underline the word departed. So Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed. Underline departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth 
underline went forth. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim. Unto the plain of Moray. And the Canaanite was then uh, in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Underline please, unto the seed I will give this land. Another promise. Verse number 8. And he removed from thence. Underline removed from thence. Unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west. And Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. And called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed. Underline journeyed. Going on still towards the south. Alright? So here we see God told him to do such and such. And if you do such and such, I will bless you. And this is what I'm going to do. Here's the outline of the blessing. The action that we see here, where I had you underline the words departed in verse number 4. I had you underline the words went forth in verse number 5. All right, Where he says there in verse number 8, removed from thence. So you see, Abram not only heard what God said and the promise that he made, but he took an action. All right, Now, we all know what transpired after Abram was, was obedient to God. I mean, Abram's obedience today, and then becoming Abraham, is still touching our lives today. It's touching the world today. Okay? Because from him came the, 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 the millions of people that there are in the Middle East. From him came, came actually those that are, are of the Islamic nations also. And his obedience to God, though, really was fulfilled in everything that panned out, that turned out. It impacts you and I. Okay, as we know, he was in, this, in the line of Jesus, you see. So it was his obedience to God, his action by doing what God called him to do. And it's the same thing in our lives. If God is telling you something to do, if God is promising you something, if you're praying for something to happen in your life and God is saying that I'm going to bless you by answering your prayer, and this is what I want you to do, You've got to take that action. Faith without works is dead. All right? So you can stand back and listen to God all day long. Yeah, Lord. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for those promises. Oh, Lord, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you to go and give away your paycheck. I want you to go next door to that neighbor that you've been having such a hard time with. And I want you to forgive him. All right? You can have all this faith, all this faith. But if you don't do... God told Abram to get up and go to a place that I will show you. Okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? I just get up and depart it. Thence. You all know my story. Fifteen, what, sixteen years ago now. God used that same scripture. Told my wife and I, get up to go. Get up and go. And that scripture kept repeating to us through numerous places. Strangers, that scripture came up. Riding on the train and I'm reading the Bible. The person sitting next to me, oh, you're a student of the Bible. Yes, I am. Oh, boy, one of my favorite verses is Genesis 12. Okay. Tell evangelists on the thing. Someone out there is hearing the Lord tell him Genesis 12 and not being obedient. Right? Repeatedly, repeatedly. Wife and I looked at each other. We said, yeah, go. We had my dad living with me. At the time, we said, oh boy, what are we going to do? He's not going to want to pick up from New York and go to Oregon and this and that. And oh boy, we really didn't want to talk to him about it. We put it off, finally we asked him. And dad, we're thinking about going to Oregon. And, oh, Portland, World War II, the big one. Oh boy, I love that. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. We're like, what? Okay. So we picked up and went. And we left. And lo and behold, to make the story short, but I really want to drive the point home. God said to get up and go, and we went. Not knowing fully where. Didn't have a house to live in. Stayed with a very close friend for a while. I believed the Lord would find us a house. On the last day before I was supposed to return to New York, I said, Lord, I know you told us to come here. What's going on? What's going on? Finally, our friend came and said, well, Pastor, there's one place we didn't go to down in South Salem, and, and, and we want to go down and take a, take a look at it. 
Everything that we had seen before that was just not suitable for us. Didn't have the living space for my dad and so on like that and, and didn't work out. And we got in the car and we drove down to South Salem. We got to the street and, oh boy, the street looks good so far. As soon as we turned this corner, though, it's probably going to be lousy or rotten or whatever. And we turned around the block and it was still a very nice house. We went up to the house and, and so forth and knocked on the door. And all I've been hearing is Abraham, 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 Abraham. Knocked on the door. I saw this little white-haired gentleman coming down the steps through the door. He came to the door and he opened it and he said, hello, my name is Abraham. True story. My name is Abraham. All right. Everything else was, is history. Everything else. Getting the kids enrolled in school and everything else and so on like that. Okay. So I can tell you firsthand that following God, taking an action where you're not 100% sure where it's going to take you, but just following God. How it will bless you. And you'll see things in your life really, really change. So faith without those works is dead. Okay? He also mentioned um, Rahab. So let's go to uh, uh, Joshua 2. Joshua 2. See? And as you're reading these scriptures and you're listening to, to this message, think about what's going on in your life. Okay, and also even more so, I say to you, be prepared for what may come up in your life. Alright? The Lord doesn't put these messages together for no, for no reason. I've observed many, many times the Lord does not put these messages together for no reason. There could be something coming up in your life very soon. There could be some decision that you need to make. There may be a decision that's in your life right now, that's in your mind, that you need to make. And God is putting on your spirit what you need to do. The task may seem formidable. It may seem like, oh boy, oh boy, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? But if you know that 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 this is God talking to you. Don't try and sit there and figure out every single nuance of what God is telling you to do. Don't try and figure every single step. Abram did not know when he was taking Isaac to offer him up as sacrifice that God was going to prepare a ram, have a ram in the bush for him. All he knew is that God said to go sacrifice and he said, I will. Abram did not know where he was going when God said to go, but if you do, I'm going to bless you. And so, I, so he went. And what I'm saying to you today is that if right now there's not something that's there, something is going to come across in your life, something that you've been hoping for and praying for, and God's going to say, this is what I want you to do. And you may not see, obviously, how that's going to happen, but faith without works is dead. Okay? So unless you do what you know that you know that you know that you know God is telling you to do, all right, and there's one proviso there, one caveat, one requirement, that when I say that you know 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 that what, this is what God is telling you to do, that is God telling you to do it. Okay? Because don't go listening to all the voices telling you to do things, because that will get you in real hot water. And how do you know that God is telling you? Well, you've got to know God. And how do you get to know God? By reading his word, by praying. By letting Holy Spirit minister to you. This is where you'll be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. This is where you'll be separate the many voices that we all hear. We basically hear three voices. We hear the voice of God. We hear the voice of the devil. We hear the voice of self. And the voice of self many times can sound like God. The voice of self many times can sound like God. Because when you are telling yourself something is okay, unless you've got some mental issues or you know, something going on there, okay, you are not going to be telling you yourself to do something that's harmful to yourself. So therefore what you're telling yourself is going to sound good. But I want the latest and the greatest iPad. It costs $2,500. Yeah. Yeah. I can do it. I can swing it. Lord, should I get that $2,500 iPad? Yes, you should. <laughs> Means that you got no job. 
got no job, barely got a house to live in, but God told me to get that $2,500 iPad. And you sit there and we laugh and we joke and you don't know how many people that I've known as a pastor over many years. And you may know some folks too. But it's one that God told them to do this and do that. But it was the voice of self. Okay? So the way we can differentiate between self and God's voice is of course through his word and through Holy Spirit. Okay? Alright? God says to be a good steward of what you have. So if I barely have enough money to pay my rent, then buying a $2,500 iPad is certainly not going to be God telling me to do that because that's contradicting his word. And God's not going to tell you to do something that contradicts his word. So this is how you weigh it out. This is how you weigh it, how you figure out what is it that God is really telling me. Because if you're going to take that action, that action could be very rewarding if it is God, but it could also be very detrimental to your well-being if it is not God. All right? So faith without works is dead. James mentioned Rahab. Let's look in our Bibles here um, to, uh, to Joshua 2. And we're going to start with uh, verse number 1. I'm going to read the whole thing because I want you to have it in context, what we're talking about here. Number 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent, uh, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came unto a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Please underline, named Rahab and lodged there. Named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I was not, I don't know where they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whether the men went out, uh, went, I, I what not, in other words, I don't know where the men went. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. This is what she's telling them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house. Please underline, she had brought them up to the roof of the house. And hid them, underline, hid them. Okay, we see an, an action there. With the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up uh, unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen, fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Now please put a bracket around that, because this is her showing faith. It says, I know that the Lord has given you this land, okay? And that you are feared by the people, you know, in this land. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites uh, that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as you had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is a God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Please underline that. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Here she's speaking all these faithful words. Twelve. Now therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Please put a highlighter over all of verse number 12 there. Swear unto me. Verse 13. And that you shall say, uh, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours if you utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that he will deal, uh, we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Alright, so in other words, she did something for them. Because of the fact that she had faith. In their God. She said, well, the action I'm going to take now is I'm going to hide you. 
And in return for that, I'm going to trust you that you will deliver uh, my family free, okay? When the time comes that you will not kill me and my household, all right? So she's taking an action here based on a promise because they said, yes, I will. All right, and then it goes on to say, um, then she let them down, verse 15, then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, get you to the mountain, unless the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this time, of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst uh, let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless, and whosoever shall be, be with thee, in the house, uh, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of our, of our oath. We will be set free of our oath, which thou hast made us swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint before us. So here we see the action that was taken there. There were these promises that were made. She did this. She took this action by hiding them. And because of that, she was indeed saved. All right. So when James here is making mention of her, of Rahab, in terms of faith without works is dead, it's showing another example here where there is someone here that not only had faith in something, but they actually did something about it. All right. So we have to make sure that we act on what God is telling us to do, having faith. All right. The other one is Malachi. This is one here where, where, where we, we Christians are often, often overlook, overlook it. And you're talking about faith without actions uh, being dead. Go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3. Okay, and we're going to start with uh, verse number 7. God makes promises to us all of the time. And we say that we have faith in God. But then when the time comes for us to take an action and to really trust God to, fit to, uh, to fulfill his word, that's where things go wrong for us. Amen? That's where things go wrong for us. Because if you have faith in God, then you will go to the next step and take the action. Malachi should be the last book before the New Testament on page 789 of, of my Bible. <laughs> Okay. Everybody's going to page 789. Just kidding. No, no. no. Should be the last book right before the New Testament. Okay. Okay. Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse number 7. Even from the days of your fathers... You are gone away from my ordinances. Please underline, underline my ordinances. Okay? You are gone away from my ordinances. And have not kept them. Underline have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Please underline that also. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said... Wherein shall we return? Or how shall we return to you? Will a man rob God? Please underline verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Underline. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Please underline in tithes and offerings. So because of that, verse number 9, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. 
Two's in the line there too. You're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You see, not only, I mean, tithing isn't, God is saying that you robbed me, but you've robbed the nation of Israel. Because the tithing that goes to God is also beneficial to the nation of Israel. Who realizes that God doesn't need our money? God can't spend money in heaven. God has no need for money in heaven. Okay? Okay? Alrighty? Alright? Even this whole nation. Verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me, test me, prove me, now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Please underline all of that or highlight all of that, please. Okay? It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat. And then it says, prove me or test me. You know, herewith, test me now, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Verse number 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Underline rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So God is saying here relative to giving to him, he says, prove me, test me, you see. You ask people again, how many have faith in God? Everyone raised their hand. How many here trust God and raise their hand? But then when it comes down to this point here, this is where many, many Christians fall short. And they don't realize here that God is saying that if you're falling short, you're robbing me. And he's saying that because of that, you're cursed with a curse. And then God says to test me. Now, if you trust God, then that means that you will do what God is saying. You see? But it's so hard for us when we get our increase, and that increase is by your job or your pension check or whatever comes in to increase you. And a tenth in the Greek is, is, uh, is one tenth. A uh, tithe in the Greek is one tenth. You know, to give that portion of your salary. Okay? People are afraid to do that. And so then, when they're afraid to do that, I say, well, how much do you really trust God? Because if you trusted God, you would do what he's saying to do. You see? You see? And I've seen this, and, and believe me when I tell you that I have known people over the many, many years who fall short of this, and they wonder why they're struggling. They wonder why. You know? And, and, many, and, and the Holy Spirit usually, asks, usually tells me just to hold my tongue. The Lord will show me things, but you know, the Lord may show you things, but does not always tell you to release it. God sometimes is telling you things for your edification and for your insights, okay? But I know for a fact that there are people that I know that are not tithing and they're struggling and they're wondering why they're struggling. I mean, marriages are messed up and everything else and they're wondering, wondering why. It says, your vines should not cast forth, forth the fruit before time, you know? All of, all of your belongings, you know? You, I mean, we've all been to, the, been to the point where, like, you get a few bucks and you go and you have the washing machine repaired. Oh, boy, thank you, Lord, have the washing machine repaired. And then all of a sudden you're moving along, the refrigerator breaks down. Okay, and you're trying to run to scrape together two nickels to pay to have the refrigerator fixed. And then your TV breaks down, you know. You start having these kind of repetitive things in your, in your, in your life. You need to stop and, and, and check, do a checklist here and say, wait a minute now. Am I giving to God the way I should be giving? Am I tithing to God? Okay. The tithe is a requirement. An offering, an offering is something above and beyond the tithe. All right? And you should be tithing where you're being fed, as it was in here. They tithed so that the Levites would have, would have uh, because they didn't work, so they would be able to, to eat and so forth like that. And the community, to support the community. So any good preacher worth his salt will tell you, I mean, any TV evangelist will tell you that if you have a home ministry, you know, we appreciate your offerings, but please don't send your tithes to me. Send your tithe to where you're being fed, which is your local church, you see. But more importantly, giving it to God, you see. And it's a God thing. And, and, and believe me when I say, because I mean, I've had times there where I had was down to my last nickel and, and be in church and I would give what I was supposed to give and then something would come in the mail or some opportunity would open up something something that would, would bless me okay you see another thing too about being blessed and we're talking about this is really it's all about trust you know I think I mentioned this at last sermon that when it comes down to, to trusting you know we that have those of us who have direct deposit in the bank you know we don't worry about the money being in the bank 
We just know that our jobs has deposited that money in the bank and we start writing checks on that money being in the bank before it's even payday because you know it's going to be there. So you trust your employer, but you can't trust God. And that's what this is about. All right? And, and, and believe me, I mean, you know, my wife and I have been tithing, boy, almost all of our, Christmas, our Christian, Christian life together. And there was a starting point for us, too. We said, gee whiz, you know, we've got this much that just came in, and here are the bills. Well, guess what? I'm going to give to God first. And we started giving to God first, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, we had left over. Had left over, you know? So I'm telling you, if you're talking about faith, yes, I have faith that God will bless me. I have faith that God will get me out of this predicament. I have faith that God will find me a good job. I have faith, I have faith, I have faith that God will get me into a position that I want. But then do you trust Him when God tells you to do what to do? Well, what do you mean trust Him? What does He want me to do? Tithe? Give to Him? Okay? And then after you've been blessed, the other part here about trusting God here is that don't start forgetting God after you've been blessed. Because I've seen Christians get themselves into difficulty. I, I, I'm telling you, if, if, if I could just run out and names, and, I mean, there are so many people out there that are hurting because of this one simple fact. Because you're not really trusting God. Okay, and then that trust then is not just in that area. I mean, God doesn't look at, well, um, um, he doesn't trust me for his finances. But he trusts me in these other areas, so that's okay. No, that's not God. Either you trust God or you don't. Faith is one thing. Do you believe that God will bless you with a new job, a new house, a new way of life, or what it is that you're looking for? But then again, I don't trust. Alright? So that's another area that we have to look at. We go here to Matthew 7. Moving right along. And this is kind of starting to really to, to, to wrap things up here. We've covered a lot here. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 24. Now, we've read a lot of words here from Scripture. Therefore, if you have a red-letter Bible, these words are written in red, meaning that it's Jesus doing the speaking here. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, and what doeth them, please underline doeth, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built the house upon a rock, built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that hears these sayings of mine, and what? Doeth them not, please underline doeth them not, every one that hears these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Okay? So Jesus there is saying that he who does them is like a man that builds a house on a solid foundation. He who does not is like one who builds a house on an unstable foundation. Well, that foundation is your life. It's your life. If your life. If you do the words of Jesus, then your life is going to be stable. Alrighty? And when the storms come, alrighty? When, what, does, what does he say? The rain. And when the rain descended, and the rain here can be likened to those things that come into our lives. The rain can be likened unto those issues that, that pop up. We all have rains that come into our life. No better known as tribulations. Jesus said, you shall have tribulations. He said, when? He didn't say if, he said when. Meaning that we as Christians, just because we're children of God, doesn't mean that we won't have tribulations. We won't have rough times in our life. Okay? But there are things to do in remembering that Jesus is greater than all of those things. But he's saying here that if you do, if you do my words, you'll be someone that is putting your life on a solid, on a strong foundation, so that when the things of life come against you, you'll be okay. If you don't, do his words. You see, so it's always about choices. God is a God of choices. God doesn't just zap us and say, make us like robots where we walk around mechanically saying, I will love you, Lord. I will trust you, Lord. I will obey you, Lord. No, God gives us all the choice. 
He's simply saying, if you do this and you follow my words, you'll be blessed. Your house will be on a solid foundation. Your life will be on a solid foundation. However, if you don't, some cases you'll be cursed or some cases you'll have a very unstable life. You'll have things always going wrong in your life because you're simply not doing what God is telling you to do. Okay, you know, you know. And, and, and these things about trusting God for what he's telling us to do, it goes well beyond even when we're praying for a job or praying for a house or something like that. It gets into our day, day-to-day life, our day-to-day lifestyle. You know, it can get into whatever it is that you're doing during the course of a week or a month. And you're praying, you're asking God, what should I do? And you're hearing God telling you, this is what you need to do. Well, then you need to act on it. You need to act on it. Okay? And if you do what God is telling you to do, then you'll be okay. And then if you don't, well, then, then you, you wind up having to, to recoup. Um, if you're a born-again child of God, you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then you're saved. And you have, you have salvation. Nothing can change that. Okay? But what really matters is how well and how, how, how well and how, how, how fruitful is your life while you're here. Yeah, after you, you, you pass on, after you die, the physical death, yes, you will spend heaven, uh, eternity in heaven. But how is your life while you're here? See, Jesus came so that we may have life and have life abundantly. His words tell us how to have that life abundantly. And that abundantly is not just talking about monetary material things, but it's talking about being victorious in your life, being joyful in your life, having joy, and knowing how to overcome sadness, how to overcome challenge in your life. So if you do Jesus' words, and that is a sign of your trust, and therefore separates faith and trust, and that's the main point that I want you to see today, knowing that having faith in God is simply just not good enough. We have to also have the trust. The final, final verses here, let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 28. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 21, verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will go. I said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. He's on the line. He repented and went. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. Verse 30. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Please in the line, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain, which of these two did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And you, when you had seen it, repented, not afterward, that you might believe him. Okay? Alright? So the one that says, I will not do it, but then repented and did what he wanted to do, is where, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. You know? Now, we can make a mistake and, and, and whatnot and, and not do what God is wanting us to do. And all of us being human and still on this planet Earth, we do slip and stumble and we commit sins and do things that's not in line with God's word. But God gave us a provision for that also in his scripture. He says that if you, if you, if you are faithful to come to me and repent, that you shall be forgiven of your sins. Okay? So we have to do what God wants us to do. You know? You know? I mean, gee, I've looked past something and boy, and I realized, I said, gee, was I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have not done that. I should have done what I heard God telling me to do. And I say, Lord, I'm sorry for not, for not being obedient to your voice. I should not have done this, or I should have done this, and I didn't. I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. We're all human. Okay? I'm not going to stand up here and be so pious and, and holier than thou and try and pretend like I'm perfect because I'm not. None of us are. But the minute you realize that you're not doing what God wants you to do, you need to do it. You need to, do, you need to fix it. Okay? Because the bottom line that you can't say that you're having faith for God 
in God if you're not doing what God is telling you to do. The difference between faith and trust. Amen. The difference between faith and trust. Obedience to God by acting on your faith is the mark of true saving faith. uh, James uses the example of Abraham and Rahab to show the types of works that demonstrate salvation. And both of these examples are of people who obey God in faith. So obeying God in faith is by taking that action. By doing whatever the corresponding action is that you need to do. Amen. So it's not enough to just have faith. You've got to have trust with action in God. Okay? And think about that. Whatever's going on in your life today, what, may, there some be, may there be a little something that Holy Spirit put in your heart while you're here listening to this message today. Is there, you know, the wonderful thing with God is that it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. To say, okay, Lord, I understand something that I didn't understand before, so Lord, this is what I'm going to do, or this is what I'm not going to do. You know, and don't let the devil get in there. Just be real quickly before we close. When it comes to time for you to act on what God is telling you to do, especially, I will say, if there's a tremendous blessing that is in the works for you, and you're hesitating, and you're hesitating, and you're trying to figure it out, you've got to stop trying to figure it out. If you're crystal clear what God is telling you to do, crystal clear, all right, you've got to take that action. You've got to take it. You see, see, while the devil is not omniscient, he's not all-knowing like God is, he has an inkling sometimes of what's happening in your life. And he will pull out all stops to prevent you from, from, from receiving that blessing that God is trying to give you. Okay? And because of the fact that God gave us free choice... We are free moral agents. Alright? And although God is omnipotent, He is all-powerful, we can tie God's hands in a heartbeat as though He was a 98-pound weakling by us deciding not to do what God wants us to do. Because God will not violate His own word. He cannot. And if you simply are choosing not to do what He's telling you to do, then He has no other choice but to stand back and kind of let you go ahead and do what you're doing. Now, being that God loves you so much, he sees you making this mistake, and he'll be there trying to help you to recoup for whatever that was. He'll get you out of it, get you out of it, get you out of it, okay? But how joyfully and how abundantly and how fruitfully we live our lives depends on how long we just keep going. And God's trying to correct you, you know, but you just keep picking up and stumble like a kid trying to walk, you know, but just won't accept your help. You see the poor kid walking his face. Oh gosh, he's going to smash his face again. You know, he's trying, get away, get away, get away. And he just forces on ahead and bang, smash. That's kind of like what we do sometimes. God is trying to help us, but we won't let him. All right? What if Abram, when he said to go and give me a sacrifice, and he had tied up his son and put him on, I mean, he loved his son. What if Abram said, gee, I don't see nothing here. I don't see any other sacrifice. This is my only boy. Alright? And don't forget, how long did he wait? How old was he when he finally got around to having Isaac? How, how long was it? Okay? Finally, I have what God promised me. Finally. And now God is saying to kill him? Finally, I've been waiting for this job. Finally, I've been waiting for this house. Finally, I've been waiting. Finally, finally, finally. And now God is telling me. And then you start going through the mechanisms in your brain. You let that mind of yours get involved. Instead of just simply being real easy and doing what God is telling you to do. It's so easy. Amen. Works without faith is dead. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God without...